Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Well, praise the Lord. Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Are you thankful for all of God's goodness? Amen. Do you have your Bible with you? All right, let's make our confession. As you say it, don't just let it be vain repetition, but let it be words full of faith out of your heart. Amen? This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. And I have what it says I have. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind's alert. My heart's receptive. I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, ever-living seed, the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, shout amen. amen. Lift up a hand clap of praise to the Most High God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. I had something that I thought earlier this year, or not this year. Well, it is, it's only eight days, so I could say earlier this year, and it'll only be a few days, right? It's only January 8th. A few days ago that I thought I was going to be ministering on, and then in time of prayer, how many knows that the Bible tells us that God has promised to us, call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you, the King James says, great and mighty things. But if you continue to look at that Hebrew, it actually says, Call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you inaccessible things. Someone say inaccessible. It's like a locked door. And the key is calling unto God. There are some things you will never have access to unless God gives them to you. And you will not get it from God unless you go to Him by prayer. Oh, wow, that puts a whole perspective, different perspective on prayer life, doesn't it? There are things that can be known that I will not know unless him who reveals in all that he knows and gives that knowledge to me. You can have inside information. Some people get locked up for that, for inside information in trading stocks. But you can have inside information from him who has created out all things. How many want some inside information today? Amen? So I was praying. That wasn't even part of the sermon. That was just bonus. That's like when you go through the drive-thru and the guy before them forgot to pick their milkshake up. And they're like, we got this milkshake. You want it? That's what that was. And so I was praying. And what I had on my heart to minister, this yesterday, the Lord just boop, dropped it in my heart. And that's the reality is that God's word is living and powerful. Amen? And so if the Lord says, say this, we'll say it. Amen? So we're in Luke 18. I want you to look at verse 8. Luke 18, those first seven verses, really in verse 8, is a teaching on persistence in prayer. And if you go to Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 8 are some of the greatest expositional teachings on prayer. But I want to look at verse 8 for a particular emphasis on what we're going to discuss today that the Holy Spirit would have us hear. Luke 18, verse 8. Jesus is speaking. He says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, referring to the Father. Your Father in heaven will revenge you speedily when you pray in faith. Now, with that being said, this last sentence is our main point today. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, 
Will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, some versions say, will he really find faith on the earth? Uh, Another version says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith and persistence on the earth? When Jesus returns, will he find people that not just did believe, had believed, well, yeah, I was baptized 47 years ago. No, not that. Are you right now believing and confessing and doing the work of Christ? Now, just so we can be good students of the Bible, so that you know, because y'all are all scholars of the Scripture, you know that I'm not a big dummy. Some of the Scriptures we're going to look at today have to do with the rapture, some have to do with the second coming, and some are just principal teachings. Can you say the word principle? So we're looking at the principle. I want you to know that sometimes we may be looking at Scriptures concerning the second coming, which is after the tribulation, which is after the rapture of the church. But I know this. If Jesus, concerning this, returns, second coming, what He will require of people who put their faith on Him during the tribulation at His return, the second coming for when He sets up His literal kingdom on the earth, if what is required of them, it must also be required of us. For instance, just general example, the law of faith. Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. Everyone was made righteous unto God by faith. Romans chapter 4. Abraham had no law, yet his faith was imputed, put onto his account as righteousness. Even if we were living in the old covenant, which we're not. We're in a better covenant, praise God. But if we were living in the old covenant, we would be sacrificing animals by faith. Because when the Israelites didn't sacrifice by faith, God got angry and says, Your holy days are a stench in my nostrils because you are going through the religious procedure with dead spirits. How many knows you can go to church, but that don't make you a Christian? But if you're a Christian, you need to be in church, amen? How many knows you can be baptized, but if you ain't saved, you'll come up a wet center? And that's a little bit worse than being a dry center, amen? Because you'll get chafed. In, at least I would. I'll get chafed between my legs and walk around dry, you know, wet pants. Anyway, all right. Luke 18, verse 8. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith on the earth? There's five things. Somebody say five. Man, I'm loaded, ready to go. You might think normally AJ couldn't even get through two because he's so long-winded. But I'm, I'm coming guns ablazes. All right. First thing I want you to see is this. When the Son of Man comes... Will he find you plowing or turning back? When Jesus comes... Now, I don't plan on staying through the rapture. Anybody plan on staying through the rapture? I mean, I'm sorry, the tribulation. No, you can if you'd like, but I, I don't plan on it. But when Jesus comes to rapture his church, will he find you plowing or turning back from the plow? Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. We're going to be in the book of Luke and the book of Matthew. Because many of the things that we will see, the passages that we'll read, are kingdom parables, the kingdom of heaven parables. So in other words, these are instructors, instructions from the master of the kingdom, King Jesus. And he is giving you and me, servants of the kingdom, instructions on how to live. So when the Son of Man returns, when the Son of Man comes, will he find you plowing or turning back. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. 
Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Pause. Just so you know, some people will use this scripture. Poor Jesus. Oh, he had nowhere to live. They think he was like in a pup tent under a bridge in downtown Galilee. Money? Anybody? Help me out. i got to get a little bit of food here. What he's referring to is there, the prophet has no honor in his hometown. In other words, he's not talking about literal places to lay his head. He's saying, if you follow me, be prepared to be made an outcast. Anybody ever felt like you're not part of this world, walking around in this world? Because you're not. The city that you and I are searching for is the city whose whose builder is God. Which means as long as we're sojourning through this world, this life, we ain't made it home yet. In fact, you go to John chapter 1. People do this all the time when I'm streaming and doing things online. Jesus didn't have no house. It says it right there. Go to John 1. Disciples are following him, and Jesus said, "Uh, why are you following me? And they said, we want to see where you live. And he says, I ain't got no home. No, he doesn't say, I'm under a bridge. No, he didn't say that. He said, come on, I'll show you where I live. Amen. All right, play. We paused it, now we're pushing play again. Verse 59. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. When the Son of Man comes, will he find your hands on the plow doing the work of the kingdom or will he have found you turning back? Everything I'm sharing with you today is kingdom, Christian, spirit-filled, Jesus-loving word, people. This is a message to the body of Christ. This is a message to people who love Jesus. And the implication is here that you can put your hand to that plow, but you can also choose to let go and turn back. Because faith without persistence is not faith. Again, principle, Jesus said, He who endures to the end shall be saved. If your strength is not strong enough in the day of adversity, if it fails you, then your strength was not strong enough, the Bible tells the book of Psalms. If in the heat of battle you lose, what you had done to prepare is not enough. I've done martial arts for a long time. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's so fun because as of recently, I've done boxing and things like that and do sparring and boxing ring, and it's amazing. You never find out how much you can love someone you don't know till they punch you in the face. You know, but now we got pads and stuff because I ain't, I, ain't no, I ain't trying to win. I, there ain't no paycheck when I box. When, it, when I'm doing it, I'm trying to learn a skill, defend myself, a little bit of a workout, but mainly learning how to defend myself. So when it's like, hey, it's time for live sparring, I put on the biggest helmet I can find. And I, better, I make sure I give the other guy the biggest padded gloves they have because there is no fight of the night check afterwards. And I ain't got no medals I'm trying to win. Amen. So, but it's amazing when someone socks you in the face, it's like Mike Tyson said. 
Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. You think, I can do it now. And, oh, what's going on now? I see birds everywhere. And then all of a sudden, you have a heart of adoration toward that person that just watched you. And you love them. Well, what happens when that happens? I realize, hmm, maybe my defense wasn't as good as I thought it was. Walking around, yeah, I'm fast, man. I got fast hands. And you see stars, you think, my hands must not have been as fast as I thought. Your faith has to persist. Let me tell you something. It is so important for you to, ex- someone say exercise. I know it's the beginning of the year. I'm not talking about physical exercise. Exercise your faith. Jesus said, if you have faith, you can say to the mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea. Believing in your heart what you've said and you'll have what you say. But what if we started exercising our faith not on the mountain but the molehill? Because if you can't move the molehill, you won't move the mountain. If you're too fearful to speak to the molehill, that mountain, you're going, oh, goodness. We need to exercise our faith. And so think about it this way. When the Son of Man comes, will He find you plowing or turning back? How do I make a decision to have my hands on the gospel plow? And I wouldn't take nothing for my journey right now. How do you make that decision? You say, Lord, today I will serve you. Every moment, every day you wake up, Lord, I'm serving you today. Because I know this, if I make the choice to serve Jesus today, when tomorrow comes, I'll do it again. And I'll do it again. And I'll do it again. To the point where it will feel, there'll be a check in my spirit when I begin to sense some sort of compromise. Be honest. There are people that I'm praying for right now. The Lord put it on my heart earlier this week. Lord, send prodigal sons and daughters home for our church. Look around. There's people who used to come to church here, and they ain't here. Now, it would be one thing because I follow up with people. It would be one thing if I, they said, well, you know what? I just felt the Lord would leave me and have me go here in another place. But that ain't what happened. They just quit God altogether. And that ought not be so. And so what do you and I do? We're going to see here in just a minute. We persist in prayer and intercede so that prodigal sons and daughters might come home in Jesus' name. Now, before we move on, I'm going to read this to you. Just listen. Concerning the cost of discipleship, Elisha, he's out plowing one day. And this is after the Spirit of the Lord told Elijah, go anoint a man for a king and a prophet to fill your place. And Elisha was that prophet. Elisha is a farmer, and he's plowing. And when Elijah comes by Elisha, Elijah throws his mantle, his overcoat, throws it on Elisha. Now, when Elisha's out in the field plowing, and that mantle gets thrown on him, he immediately leaves the oxen that he's pushing and plowing behind. And again, just a side note, some people, when they read the Bible, they think real small. Elisha was plowing with 12 set of ox. I was reading one commentary yesterday about that, and I know the bias that this commentator has toward prosperity, and it's not a good one, but he's got some other good things that he says. It's kind of like eating watermelon. You eat the watermelon and spit out the seeds. Amen? 
And so he's got a few seeds that I have to spit out sometimes. And he's, a, he's not for prosperity. So I laughed when I read it because when he puts his note under this scripture in 1 Kings 19.20, it says, Elisha had 12 set of ox, which means that he was not poor. No, it doesn't mean he wasn't poor. It means he was extremely well off. <laughs> but he has a thing against prosperity. So he says, it means he was not poor. And so I laughed. Anyway, so, so Elisha runs to Elijah and he says, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to them, go back again for what have I done to you. See, Elisha did return home, but he was not using a delaying tactic like these unqualified disciples in Luke chapter 9. They were saying, Lord, let me do this. You know, Lord, uh, I'll follow you wherever you go. And then so the first person he says that to or says that to Jesus, Jesus reminds him, if you follow me, you'll lose, you'll lose your status. So that's the first thing you have to give up to follow Jesus, your status in the world. Who gives a rip about that anyway? Your status in the world. We are of a high society. I am of the highest society you can get. It's called being seated in heavenly places. And anything that would take me from that throne room place, it can just hit the road. Amen. Amen. Something else I was going to say, but I'm sanctified. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The second thing that Jesus refutes is working and task. Lord, I'll follow you, but let me go bury my father first. Now, a couple things. If he's a good Jew, he's not out and about with his father dead by religious law, Levitical law. If his father died, he's there mourning, and they bury him the same day. So he's using what we like to call excuse. Amen. I can remember my grandfather singing an old-time song. Excuses, excuses, we hear them all the time. I don't know any other words after that. But I know the whole song's about excuses people give concerning going to church. Don't put a work or a task in front of the one who has called you to work and who has tasked you to work. Don't put the work of God above the God of the work. Does that make sense? In serving Christ, don't get so busy like Mary and Martha. Martha runs to Jesus and says, Mary's not helping me. Won't, don't, won't you tell her to help me serve the people here in the house? Because Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus tells Martha, hey, all this can be done later. Mary's sitting at my feet and listening. Sometimes you put the work aside and say, Jesus, you're worthy, worthy of it all. I had plans, but they all submit to you. I had some other endeavors, but I'm submitted to you and I'm following you. Those plans, those endeavors, those ideas, those tasks, I count it as nothing to follow Christ. And then we get the last one with family, delay tactic. But Elisha's a little bit different because what he does, 1 Kings 19, 21, let me read it to you. So Elisha turned back from Elijah, took a yoke of oxen, the wooden yokes that held the ox together so they could pull in line, slaughtered the ox, boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. The difference in Elisha, who was a faithful servant, he took what he had originally had before he encounters the anointing, the mantle from Elijah, he takes it and he sacrifices it. Someone say sacrifice. When the Son of Man comes, will He find you plowing or have you turned back? 
Will you count the sacrifice, the cost of following Jesus, everything you are, too great, and you turn back from the work of the Lord? In Jesus' name, I see you plowing when the Son of Man returns. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. When the Son of Man comes, will He find you praying or sleeping? When the Son of Man comes, will He find you praying or sleeping? Now, some of us, I know y'all, some of y'all are extremely spiritual and holy, and y'all have perfected the act of praying with your eyes closed and deep sounds coming from your nostrils. I'm not talking about natural sleep. You should give your body rest. I'm talking about spiritual sleep. Matthew 26 Verse 37, And Jesus took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, John and James. And he, Jesus, began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Sit here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup, referring the cross, the crucifixion, pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. A prayer of consecration. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch? Someone say watch. Watch with me one hour. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That is the continual constant battle of the believer. Your battle really in your personal life, your battle in your personal life is not against Satan 99% of the time. Your battle is crucifying your body and renewing your mind. Because last time I checked, Satan can't cross the blood of Christ. And I've been washed in the shed blood of Christ. Which also means it tells a little bit on me, doesn't it? That if something ain't quite working right, I can't blame the devil. Oh, it was the devil. And the devil's saying, wait a minute, I wasn't even around when that happened. It may have been my flesh that I yielded to or some thoughts that are stinking thinking that I need to get rid of. But here's the thing. If you'll be watchful, you won't be sinful. Watch and pray, lest you enter temptation. Temptation is the seed of sin. If prayer will keep you from being keep you from falling for temptation, it will also keep you from the product of temptation, which is sin. When the Son of Man comes, will He find you praying or spiritually asleep? Verse 42. Again, a second time He went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup could not pass from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Then He came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. Maybe your spirit's heavy. The book of Isaiah says that you cast off the spirit of heaviness, which is a broken spirit. Depression, anxiety, fear, turmoil, confusion. You cast off that cloak, that spirit of heaviness, for a garment of praise. If you're having a little trouble staying awake spiritually, maybe you need to amp up the praise. 
Maybe you need to bring up the worship a little bit more in your life. Because we all know we should pray, but knowing we should pray ain't the same as engaging in prayer. And so maybe there's a spirit of heaviness. Maybe your spiritual eyes are getting a little heavy, a little sleepy. That's when Satan does his worst work. That's when he sows the most temptation he can sow. When our eyes are getting a little heavy, we're starting to slumber. 1 Peter 4, 7 says this, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be sober. The New King James says, Be serious. Someone say, Be serious. If you're sitting beside someone, knock them on the shoulder and say, Be serious. Be serious and watchful in your prayers. Your prayer life will keep your, the eyes of your heart wide open. Ain't no devil going to trick me because I just spent time in the throne room. And him who knows all things is indwelling in me, revealing his wisdom, his strength, his power. He's leading my steps. Lest even if I stumble, he will raise me back up. Oh, I'm not going to fall. How how many has made a point you're not going to fall for the trickeries and schemes of Satan in Jesus' name? Amen. When the Son of Man comes, I see you praying and not sleeping in Jesus' name. Turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. When the Son of Man comes... Will he find you working or being worthless? Now it's 2023, and people might say, they don't like that word to say worthless. Oh, no, no one's worthless. You're right. The value of the human person is extremely high. The highest value there is because Jesus shed his blood that men and women might be saved. The value of an item is determined by the cost someone is willing to pay. Right? Maybe, you, maybe this has happened to you. You had something, you found it, I don't know, forgot about it, it's an antique or something, or you inherited it, or you found it at a jockey lot or a yard sale or something like that, and you found it and think, wow, this thing's got to be worth thousands, if not millions. And then you take it somewhere and they say, well, it's very, it is, is very unique. It is very, uh, there's none like it. But the problem is there's only about three people on the whole planet that want it. And they don't set the cost very high. Right? Because the, the value of something is determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. Those eggs apparently wasn't worth the $7 if you don't buy them. They may have the price on it for $7. I got my, my in-laws, are, they have chickens. So I've been getting free farm fresh eggs for a year now. Come on, glory. Hallelujah. When you bust open that yolk, I mean, it's a dark yellow. There's just something about it. Don't be mad at me now. All right, come on. Now, if the price is set here, but you don't pay it, that means it's not that much, it's not that valuable to you. Jesus said, you are so precious to me, I'll give myself for you. So the person, humanity, extremely valuable. But we can act in such a way where our actions... And the life we choose to live is a worthless life that has no value to the things of God. And that's a scary thing. Because when Jesus returns, he wants to find you working, not worthless. Luke 12, verse 42, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward 
whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find him so doing when he comes. Luke 12, verse 44. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler of all that he has. But if that servant says in his, notice, heart, he looks real good on the outside, but in his heart he has said, my master's delaying his coming. We've been saying Jesus is going to come for 2,000 years, and I ain't seen him yet. In 2 Peter 3, verse 3 and 4, prophesied of you, saying that in the last days scoffers would say, where's his coming? But the servant says in his heart, my master's delaying his coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and be drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him into. Talk about being unemployed. It's one thing to be fired. It's another to have your boss cut you in half. And appoint him this portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Verse 48, he who did not know yet committed things undeserving of stripes will be beaten with few. For to whom to for everyone to whom much is given, from much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Let me just say this very plainly and very straight. If you have no intentions of being faithful to Christ and living out this Christian walk, it would be best for you to do away with every Bible that you own, never attend church, and never to listen to any gospel teaching ever again. Because the more you hear and know, the more you will be judged for what you did not act on. You, you, you might say, AJ, I thought you want all people to be saved. I sure do. I sure do. But if you're going to play with the things of God, it would be better, better for you just to cut it and sever it and be done with it than to continue to fill your heart and your mind with God's truth and then scoff at Him. I know it, but I ain't doing it. And then have whatever excuse we may think is a good excuse. We're not going to be that servant in Jesus' name. When the master returns, when the Son of Man comes, he will find us working. He'll see, oh, everything that I've given you and tasked you to do, you're still doing it. You didn't just do it today or tomorrow or just one month or one year. You did it until I returned. Someone say, returned. That's what loyalty is. Loyalty is if I give you a task... It could be one year or 1,000 years. You're still doing it when I return. That's what faithfulness is. And that's what the Spirit of God empowers you to do as a believer in Jesus' name. Because 1 John chapter 2, 28 says this, Little children, abide in Him, that when Jesus appears, we can have confidence, boldness, and not be ashamed before Him at His coming which means some people will be ashamed when Jesus returns. I pray in Jesus' name. In fact, I know in Jesus' name you will not be accounted among the shameful. In Jesus' name. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15 as we come to a close today. Luke chapter 15, verse 4. The Bible talks about there are, there's some understanding that's milk 
And there's some understanding that's meat. Naomi is on a chocolate milk kick right now. I introduced chocolate milk to her a while back, and she didn't like it. Then her cousin was drinking chocolate milk, and of course, anything he does, she has to do, even though there's a six-year difference. But in her mind, she's two going on 22. The other day, Dad bought her a hard hat, you know, like a hammer and tool and goggles. She has a hard hat and a goggles and a hammer. That's, and she was wearing it, but this is how she wore it. So she's all girl, but she's got that hard hat on. I said, honey, you know, you're going to build something someday, praise the Lord, or either, you know, you're going to hit that hip and your husband's going to say, I'll build anything you want. Amen. <laughs> she's on a chocolate milk kick. There's some things in Scripture that are very easy to understand. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, well, you need to get smarter, or the blah, blah, blah. But there are some things that take some chewing. You don't swallow prime rib, especially if it's from Halls. We went to Halls a few, a few months ago. You don't swallow prime, prime rib. Oh, no. You take a small bite, put it in there, and you count the bites. Mmm. 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 And you chew on it. And you taste it. There's some things when the Word of God hits you, you think, ooh, I'm going to have to chew on this a little bit. And maybe that's some of these things today. But this is the God of the Bible. This is the Lord of the Bible. It's not the Lord of the culture who says, oh, it don't matter what you do. Grace band-aid, bam. This is the God of the Bible. I've equipped you. I've redeemed you. By the blood, I've made you accepted. I've empowered you. And this is how you should live. When the Son of Man comes, will he find you seeking or staying? Luke 15, verse 4. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. How many want to make the master rejoice in heaven? Verse 8, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there's more joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When the Son of Man comes, will he find you searching for the lost? Or will he find you staying back with the 99? What is the purpose of church? To equip you. To strengthen you. To make you into strong disciples. So that strong disciples can go win people to Christ and bring in more disciples. Do people get saved in church? Yes. Absolutely. December 18th, two different people. Absolutely. But by and large... If we are going to fill this church, Luke 14, 23, go into the highways and the byways, goes into the hedges, and compel them to come to my house, that my house may be full. 
Notice it didn't say, I'm the head of the house, Jesus. I'm the master of the house, and I'll go get them and bring them back to you while you stay back with the 99. He says, if you see empty seats at the banqueting table, if you see empty seats in the church, go and find someone to sit in them that my house may be full. Because God will rejoice more in you winning one than 99 keeping and staying in their salvation. Is God thankful that you do that? Yes. But it's not enough to know the gospel and know the knowledge that sets people free and then not tell somebody about it. So when Jesus comes, will he find you seeking and searching for the lost or staying behind with the 99? I, I, I challenge you to do this. Make a list of three people that you know that need to be saved. Write down their names. Make copies of it. Put it everywhere that you can see it. For me, it would be the fridge. I would see it about 73 times a day. <laughs> Write down their names and go before God. Oh, we can pray for what we have need of. But I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing like prayers when you go before the Lord on behalf of someone else. Lord, I'm coming to you not for bread for me, but I need bread for them. Jesus, the bread of life. I'm not coming to you on my behalf. I'm coming on their behalf because they won't. But I think, Lord, if, we, if you and me get hooked up and we labor together in prayer, that you'll send forth laborers, and as they continue to hear the word of God something's going to happen and they're going to believe and be set free from demonic power and be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of our dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus won't be very happy if when he comes, he finds us with the 99. He's going to say, where are all my sheep that are lost running through the hillside? Now, I'm going to tell you something. Do not underestimate your relationships that you have with people. I was just talking to a, a, a very good friend of mine, and he was telling me, and we had this circle of guys that are friends, and he was texting me and said, do you ever feel this need to talk to these other two guys about and confront them about their sin, confront them about these things that they say against God? Because in... Our words, we would say, they know better. You understand? You know, some people grow up in church, so they know better. But just because you know doesn't mean you believe. And I was saying to him, because I'm kind of new to this circle of guys, I was saying to him, I said, well, sometimes to a degree, I said, but if the Lord's really pressing that on your heart and you can't stop thinking about these people and that if they don't repent, they will bust hell wide open, they will be there in all of eternity under weeping and gnashing of teeth and they will never have rest from it. If that's on your heart, the Holy Spirit is prompting to you. And I'm telling you because he's got like 30 plus years of relationship with these two guys. And I said, and here's the thing. They know you. They know the weed smoking, cussing, disobedient you. And that ain't what he is now. He's saved. And they know now the saved version. They know who you were. That's dead. And now they know you redeemed. And then you add that 30 some odd years of you know me. I ain't lying to you. This is what God's done in my life. It dismantles people's excuses real quick. So don't underestimate your power of a relationship you have with someone. Maybe you think, oh, if I could just get them there to church. Well, maybe. 
Maybe, but what if you worked on them between now and them getting to the church to the point where they say, my God, i got to go to church so this person can get off my back. I don't know, do something like that. But it would be far better than Jesus coming and he find you staying rather than searching. Matthew 25, we end here. Matthew 25. Verse 14. We won't read this whole entire parable here. Not that I'm making an excuse for it, because I mean, you know, we're here to read the word. But because we're going to spend a moment in prayer. And I shouldn't even say moment. See, that's I've been I'm allowing thoughts and words from the culture to say things. Why do people go to church and expect to get out as fast as they possibly can? Oh, is he going to read a lot today? Stay at home. Warm your bed. We've come to worship the King of Kings. We've come to get information and a spiritual download from God Almighty so that when we leave this place, we've got holy fire in our belly. Pray a little, read a little. Now, forgive me, Lord. Matthew 25. Verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his own ability. Immediately he went on a journey. Now I, pre- I taught through this entire parable several Wednesdays ago. It's on the Facebook, it's on YouTube. Go check it out if you want more in-depth thing. But I want you to see this here. Verse 19, same chapter, jump down to 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Jesus will return to settle accounts. Verse 20, so when he who had received five talents came and brought five others, he said, Lord, you've delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done. Good and faithful servant. How many want to hear that at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? And you are faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler of many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. And the Lord said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. Notice, different physical amounts, but by their abilities, they both doubled. And that's what mattered. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered. All lies. Nobody sows where they, nobody reaps where they sow. Don't sow. If you don't sow a seed, you ain't getting a harvest. I've been looking at my backyard for three years where I live, and I've never had a garden. But this year I will. What's the difference? I'm planting. Verse 25, and I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Fear will make you do faithless things, sinful things. Look, there you have what is yours, wiping the dirt off of it. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy, King James says lawful, lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I've not sown. Because if you go to Luke, he's saying, by your words, I will judge what you have done. So then he rehearses the words of the unfaithful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. You 
ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and earned 0.03% interest at my coming. I have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even that what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes, will he find you a faithful servant or an unprofitable servant? When the Son of Man comes, will he find you faithful or wicked and lazy? The good news about all this is it may seem a little hard. I pray it doesn't. By the anointing, I pray it does not seem hard. But I love you too much to lie to you. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 6. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. The good news about everything that we have discussed today is this. It's your choice. Someone say, my choice. It's your choice. It's not the Lord's choice. Because His choice would be that you would be all of the good attributes. It's not your wife's choice. She's been trying to change you for however long you've been married. It's not your, hu- it's not your husband's choice. Wives? No, we, we don't work on our wives. How many husbands say you, you know your wife's perfect? Amen? Amen? Yeah. Try to get you some bony points, brownie points here. It's not your parents' choice. It's not your children's choice. It's not your prayer partner's choice. It's not your Bible study group's choice. It's your choice. Will you be found faithful? Will you be found profitable? When the Son of Man comes, how will He find you? If you could go ahead and play that music. I want every single person in the building today to come to the altar. And we're going to make this an altar of prayer. Yeah, quickly come. Quickly come. You don't have to watch me and wait a few minutes. Come on down. And we're going to enter into the prayer for a few minutes here. Because this is what we've come to do. We've come to meet with God Almighty. If you are here for a religious exercise and function, I am sorry, but this is the wrong place for you to attend. This place is a house of prayer. This place is a house of God. This place we have sanctified and set apart to be a house of worship. As you're coming, you don't even have to watch me. Just begin to worship God. As you're here in the altar, begin to pray. Pray out loud. No one's listening to you. They're listening to themselves. With holy hands lifted high, begin to pray. If you want to bow, you can bow down and worship the Lord. But what God has desire of is that He might reap what He has sown. He has sown into you life and life eternal. And He desires that He might reap praise and worship and blessings and adoration. So begin to worship Him right now where you're at. Begin to give Him thanks. Begin to, if you've not already, and if you have, yet again, consecrate. Dedicate this year to the Lord. Say, Lord, this is going to be your year. Any other years before, yeah, it's just the change of a calendar, but I'm using that as a mental marker that if any time before this year I was in disobedience, no longer in Jesus' name. If I was slothful and lazy, no longer in Jesus' name. If I was sitting around thinking, ah, he's not going to come anytime soon and I'm not working, no longer in Jesus' name. If I've been spiritually sleepy and not 
praying no longer in Jesus' name. For when the Son of Man returns, He will find faith in this heart. I cannot testify for the whole world, but when He looks on the earth for faithful, your eyes will meet this person. It will meet me in Jesus' name. Lord, have I been staying with the 99 too long while there are people marching themselves into hell? And I can be the one that can stand in the way that even if they still choose to go, they will have to leap over my body to go into eternal damnation. Lord, in Jesus' name, stir up in us, Father God. Oh, you sound good. Continue to lift up a prayer right now before the Lord. Boldly enter into the presence of God. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you have equipped us, you have empowered us to be good and faithful servants. That is our desire, Lord. That is what we, re- what we are required of from you, Lord God. Even now, stir up your most holy fire in us, Lord God. Fill our bellies with the fire of God that we would run and not grow weary. We would walk and not grow faint. That we would mount up with the wings of eagles. That we would do the task you've commanded us to do, Lord. For we will not turn back from the gospel plow. We have counted the cost and you are more than worthy to it in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are here today, and or you're listening online, if you have never confessed Jesus Lord of your life, I beg of you, do it now. Hell is real. Heaven is real. Sin is real. And Jesus, He is a real Savior. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have never confessed Jesus Lord of your life, or... At some point in time, you did, but you've grown cold. You've turned from the plow, but you want to get back on the gospel journey. If you never have, or at some point you did and you've walked away, you can call it whatever you want to call it. But you just know this very simply, you ain't right with God. And you want to be made right with God. If you're here today, and that's you, I want you to slip your hand up right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. If you've raised your hand, I want you to come forward right here. The Lord Jesus Christ said that if you will deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. But if you will testify of me before men, I will testify of you before my Father. Love y'all so much. Love you. In Jesus' name. Let's pray together, church. We're going to pray this prayer not because y'all don't know how to pray, but we want to pray together. Say this. Say, Lord, I repent. Everything in me that's not from you, I don't want it. I lay it at the foot of the cross of Christ. I confess Jesus is my Lord. I believe He is the risen Son of God Almighty. Now, Lord, I thank you. I'm washed, I'm clean, I'm purged. And this day forward, I am yours until you return. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I thank you that you have called me and equipped me to be a good and faithful servant. When you come for your church, you'll find me faithful. You'll find me plowing. 
You'll find me seeking. You'll find me praying. You will find this servant of yours. In Jesus' name, if that's you, shout amen. Amen. Give someone a hug. Tell them you love them in the Lord. Bless them richly in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you. And every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.